the blast from our past network. strength. We can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Search your feelings, you know it to be true. No! No! Talking back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. This week, we are continuing our Star Wars franchise walkthrough, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Dean, you are here. I'm here. Help me in welcoming our very special guest, Mark Eunice. Mark Thank you for joining us on this very special episode. Thank you both for having me. Um, our listeners might remember Mark from our Predator episode uh, that he helped us out on. Mark uh, apparently only wants to join for A++ titles. Obviously, that was the best episode, but <laughs> I may be a bit biased. And Tim, <laughs> yeah. Tim, yeah, the Predator episode launched the franchise walkthroughs, did it not? I don't know. I don't know. I think Predator was the first franchise we ever walked through. No, Dean, come on. I'm oh going to have goodness, to agree Dean. with Dean, I might. though I have no basis for Maybe it. Maybe Mark can replace Dean on the podcast. No. <laughs> I under no. I know we did Jaws, okay. but we didn't have the franchise walkthrough okay. that we like call it now Fair and enough. have a wrap-up episode A small technicality. It. Yeah. We didn't Mark officially yeah. have a franchise walkthrough. We exactly. walked through a franchise. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Okay. You just you just eked that out, Dean. You yeah. just it was a good point. It was a good save. It was a good Excellent. point. Yeah. Excellent. Thank yes. you, Mark. Okay. Yeah. Yes, Thank that's you, true. Dean. Thank you, Mark, for starting the franchise walkthrough. You're welcome. We Hell owe yeah. it all to you. Thank you for joining. Um, listen, you've been invited on this episode, Mark, 
because you said you've seen this movie about a hundred times and you're not exaggerating. So we figured maybe this is a good guy to get on the show. He's seen Predator a hundred times. He's seen Empire a hundred times. And I don't think he's seen another movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no do, time. I do get complaints from my family that I don't like any movies. So it is <laughs> quite possible. Uh, okay. Listen, guys, we're here today to have a light conversation about a movie often regarded as the best film in the Star Wars series and among the greatest films ever made. Correct. Right? Correct. Just so we're on the same page. Yeah. I mean, after watching it a hundred times, it would be pretty <laughs> yeah. silly to argue at that point. Yeah. So, Mark, uh, if you would please, for the listeners, can you give us a bit of background um, to you and Star Wars and like what you like about Star Wars, maybe what you don't like, where it began for you, you know, were you a kid? Were you a grown up? Just give us a bit of background. Sure. Uh, so I think like most people around my age or our age, uh, which is around just over 40. I mean, obviously there were the Star Wars movies when you were a kid. And, you know, if you were somehow unfortunate, you didn't have them when you were a kid, but most of us did. And I'm pretty sure those VHS tapes got worn out by many, many, many people. Um, I don't know. It's just, there's something, I mean, it is a very kid movie, but they were still kind of adult in a way. And, and I think that's one of the things that looking back at them now as an adult um, stands out is like those early movies, they're pretty dark and mature. Like they don't pull punches. And I think that's one of the key things about Empire and A New Hope that really stuck with me is, is, you know, like dark things happen. The characters go through a lot and it doesn't seem contrived or goofy. It seems like serious stuff just in a fantastical universe. So I think it kind of simultaneously struck true to life, but at the same time pushed the imagination as to what could be real. And so as a kid that, that really stimulates your imagination, you know, and, uh, probably that's why they were so impressionistic and, and lasted so long. And, you know, I've often asked, is it nostalgia or is it that they are just simply better movies? And you can't deny the nostalgia factor, but I mean, you can, that's the thing with watching them that many times. And it's a little embarrassing to even say a hundred, but you start to just pick up on details. Like you could look at a painting a hundred times or listen to a piece of music a hundred times. And you know, the really, really good ones, you start picking up little nuances that, that maybe you didn't notice, uh, before. And I find that with, with empire, um, more than any other. And, and that's one of the things I love about it. Yeah. Well, well said. Um, what about the franchise as a whole? So we know you like empire. We know you've watched a lot, but what about, some of the other movies. What about the prequels? What about the sequels? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm one of those cranks that is sort of like original trilogy or bust, you know? And I, I, I'm not saying it to like denigrate anyone who likes the new stuff. Um, I think if people, if the new ones have resonated, whether it's the prequels or the, I don't know what you call them, the sequels. The sequels, yeah. Um, or the one-offs, you know, I'm happy for you. Like, that's awesome because Star Wars is awesome and, and 
you know, if, if you can find joy in all the ones throughout the the decades, that's fantastic. I'm not that way, and I I don't know if it's because there was something about the originals that seemed different. Um, but you know, and I was I was mentioning to Dean, you know, before. Um, it's almost like the new ones can't escape the shadow of the original trilogy, and it would be very difficult to make a movie as good as the originals under that pressure because it's almost like you can't let the creative spirit take hold. You almost have to do service to it somehow or meet expectations or check boxes. And the first ones, I mean, there's nothing even approaching those movies uh, that I know of, at least. I mean, there were sci-fi movies, but they really took it to an entirely different level in terms of the overall production, right? I mean, there's ideas that were great and everything with other movies, but uh, they were something special that I think the newer ones just, I don't think they capture it, whether it's the characters, whether it's the the writing, um, whether it's just, I don't know, seeming too contrived or forced or some sort of silliness. uh, They don't resonate the same way to me. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's probably where I'm at with it. There's there's a magic to the original mm-hmm. trilogy that I think the sequel trilogy has been trying to find and like can't find it. You know, like just as like you said, is sort of like maybe following a formula. You know, just like trying to pound out what could be that magic. How did we make that magic? Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's mm. try this. Mm. And what you get is kind of three movies that don't really work well together. Um, just trying to find right. what exactly is the magic of Star Wars? What is it that made everybody love this? What is it that mm-hmm. made that first movie, A New Hope, just like crush at the box office and everybody went to see it and it was the highest grossing movie of all time at, at that time? Mm-hmm. What did that? What was it about it? Because it's just a space adventure film. Like, what is it the magic in it? And I don't think they've been able to find it, at least in the uh in the in the sequel trilogy which i like i don't think they have found it yet i don't think they've Mm. found that magic well i think the magic is that in 77 you're introducing sci-fi yeah true to to the masses right yeah sure there's been sci-fi before that for decades but this was like the first like really widespread sci-fi that people saw like this was my introduction to sci-fi star wars Mm. it's probably a lot of people's introduction so that's magical and you can't recapture the magic of being introduced to sci-fi, right? That, For that's sure. not yeah. You can't remake that. So yeah. by them trying to do that and relying on the fact that, okay, these are just Star Wars movies. Um, they're going to be great. People are going to love them because it's more Star Wars. That's not really true. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. they, needed to, they needed to give those movies um, their own identity in a way. Yes. They needed to make 100%. them... They needed to reinvent the, the sci-fi genre, yeah. which they didn't do. They just tried to carry on with Star Wars. And, you know, lots of people like them. That's fine. Um, I don't think they're they're awful. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. You know, everybody, we're going to get to those movies. Uh, I've mentioned it before. I was not a big fan of those. Then I watched all the movies, you know, in a row, all of them. And it worked a little bit better for me. So I'm uh, interested in unfolding some of those movies down the line. But, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Let's get going here then. Uh, released in 1980... With an initial budget of eight million, that ballooned to thirty and a half million. This film grosses roughly five hundred and fifty million. Hell yeah! So mm-hmm. it was all worth it. 
Uh, definitely. <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> worth okay. the increased budget. Yeah. Uh, George Lucas tried to fund this himself. Okay. But when the budget went past $20 million, he needed to go to the studio and cut a deal. Yeah. Okay. He was like, you know, trying to get out from under the production company. He just wanted to do his own thing, have all the control. Ultimately, he did have to go to them, but apparently they were very gentle to him with the deal. Yeah. They just kind of like gave him the money for more of a percentage of the profits, yeah. but didn't ask for like any merchandising or anything like that, any like exclusive rights. So um, apparently the guy who made the deal with him at the production company was fired afterwards okay. because they were like, <laughs> you should have like taken this guy to the cleaners yeah. and he didn't. Uh, so good on him. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Good on him. I don't know if you remember, but is was Star Wars like a new hope? Was it $11 million budget? Like, I, yeah, I around like, there. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's shocking that what they originally would get for this would be like eight would be less than yeah. 11. Yeah. I um, mean, but 11 was also above what they were originally told they could have. Yeah. That went over budget as yeah, well. Yeah. Also, that's a big budget, dude. Oh, for, for like, sure. For that for time. Sure, yeah. For that's sure. That's a but, huge budget. But like the highest grossing movie ever. Right. So, you know, give, I guess that's yeah, why they ended up getting, it. yeah, it's why they ended up getting 30 this time, but just to come in at a, at a mm. number under 11 for the sequel seems wild. But you know, why you just, of, at least yeah. give them 15 or something. 30 and a half though. Yeah, 30 and a half. That's huge. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Although I did hear there was all sorts of issues with production. Like, okay. They had sets burned down, like full sets. Oh shit. Burnt down. There hey, was like practical effects. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what do. happens. Yeah. Weather uh, issues. All um, those lightsabers lighting stuff on fire. That's right. Yeah. They had real lightsabers in this one. Yeah. Yeah. That was at least half yeah. the budget. I yeah, think. it was half the budget. They made real lightsabers. That we yeah, might have no, to that's fact. fact. That one. That's fact. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> now, after a very stressful experience making Star Wars, George Lucas is out as director, and in comes Irvin Kirshner, who actually taught Lucas in film school, and Lucas regarded as a mentor. Cool. The first draft of the screenplay was done by a Lee Brackett, a famous science fiction author who in her career published more than 70 short and full science fiction stories. So very acclaimed sci-fi writer. Nice. She sadly passed away after her first draft. So the next two drafts were done by George Lucas before he would turn it over to Lawrence Kasdan, who helped develop the dialogue and provide a much darker tone. Cinematography by Peter Sushitsky who worked on a couple movies we've already covered, Dean. Okay, okay. Mars Attacks. Good. Looks good. Episode 101 for anybody wanting to check that out. Nice. And Crawl. Also looks good. Episode 112. I like that. Check out Crawl. Crawl Mark, rules. Have you seen Crawl, the movie Crawl? Uh, you know, I don't know that I ever have all the way through. I'm aware of it. Oh, it's a good movie. Um, Sushitsky did Crawl right after this. Okay. Okay. So I cool. think he was like, he was in the groove. He was yeah. feeling it. Great movie, though. Check I like that Crawl. out. I like Great sci fi yeah. Yeah. Uh, fantasy adventure movie. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird, but it's good. Yeah, that's what makes it so yeah. good. Weird is often attached with a negative connotation. Yeah, right. Whereas yeah. I think weird for me, at least when it comes to sci fi fantasy, like, I mean that's kind of the point, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love. Oh, yeah. I love weird shit. I mean, I, I gave it like five stars. Weird it's in amazing. general. <laughs> weird in general works for me. Yeah. Now, music obviously done by the mighty John Williams. Mm. No. Be know, great. No, Nothing more no needs to be said. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, while there was a very short and subtle playing of the Imperial March in A New Hope, 
Uh, it really gets expanded on here. It becomes a very mm. full, cool. robust piece of music in this movie. And Mark, you probably know this. The Imperial March is based on Frederick Chopin's funeral march titled Piano Sonata Number no. 2 in B-flat. Interesting. I mean, I know the piece. Uh, I wasn't aware that the Imperial March was actually based on it. Hmm. I'm going to drop it in right here. Now, Empire was nominated at the Academy Awards for Best Art Direction. It wins for Best Sound, and it also won a Special Achievement Award for Visual Effects. Okay. So I think that what that was is I think before Visual Effects became a category, they just called them like Special Achievements. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think they essentially won like Best Visual Effects. Yeah, yeah. And this is like, would be a best picture now, I think, right? Like, oh, hell yeah. I, yeah. It would be a best. Like now it, that they have 10 like nominees, they th- like to throw some to like the big blo- blockbuster movies, right? So it would yeah. be a best picture now. And now that like sci-fi movies could get yeah. a nomination, yeah. you know? For sure. I, I kind of think they should have given it the next three years of best picture. Yeah. I mean, it should have won and won for three years later, for probably. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't give it out this year. If we're being Empire fair, gets I mean, it. yeah. Like, no. I've got this strange feeling that you, as a four-year-old, were sending like <laughs> yeah. letters, angry letters to the Academy at that time, Mark, saying, "What the hell?" You know yeah. what? I wish I had. I really wish I did. I wish you did too. It's like I'll present it if I have to. I'll be a presenter there <laughs> if, if that's the problem. What? <laughs> Mark will be Mark a is a four-year-old. Yeah, he'll presenter? present the Academy Award. I you think, think that's what a, it, it could be. That would have been impassioned. Yeah. <laughs> well, if Mark's going to present, I guess we should get. I mean, we got the this presenter. kid. This kid's onto something. <laughs> we if got he's the gonna, presenter. If he's going to present. May as well just nominate it. No yeah. one wants to hand them an Oscar, but this kid will. If I'll it tell worked, you it probably would have led to problems in my teenage years. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, if this movie got nominated, yeah, it would have fucking won. Of course, sure. the problem was it didn't get nominated. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. It may have. It may have won. Like right, the the Academy votes on it. They may have voted for it. Have you guys actually looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes or anything? Empire. Yeah. Not specifically. I just no. imagine it's a hundred across yeah, the board. No, 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 no. There's a few, there's always a few. Well, there's yeah. always going to be. Haters. I would guess. I would guess it's at like eighty eight or something. Uh, I think you're close. Ninety two. Yeah, 92. something like that, right? And yeah. I'm just curious. You know, like, do you yeah. want me to look it up? Yeah. Do well, it. or I'm curious, like the people that gave it rotten yeah. reviews. What's or up? Reviews. Like, I don't know. <laughs> do you, like, yeah. I, I'd be very like what rival production like? studios, perhaps. Oh, well, you could take you know the more skeptical or, or um, what do you call it? Cynical. Cynical, yeah. that's the word. Thank you, Gene. Um, approach and say that it was something outside of the movie itself. But yeah. like, you go to A New Hope and you're a movie critic, you kind of know what you're getting into yeah. when you get to, to Empire. So For sure, yeah. How, uh, unless how is it not succeeding I, at yeah. what it's supposed to be? Yeah. It, it, it created the universe. Yeah. And then it not only adhered to the universe, it built on it in For really sure. astounding ways. Yeah. And so... What's the problem? Yeah. Audience score on Rotten Tomatoes with more than 250,000 ratings. <laughs> wow. 97%. Okay. Audience. Okay. Yeah. Good Tomato job. meter. 106 reviews. 94%. 94. Oh, good. Okay. okay. People love, okay. It. People love the movie. People love it. 
Of course. Yeah. It's the best. It's yeah. as good as Star Wars can be. I mean, exactly. That's my opinion. So far. And, and Mark's. <laughs> so far, yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to note before we get going in the walkthrough is before Star Wars came out, Lucas wasn't sure if it was going to be successful or not. So he mapped out two possible sequels. An expensive one, if Star Wars was a hit, which became The Empire Strikes Back, but also a low-budget idea in case Star Wars wasn't a success. Hmm. The low-budget sequel was called Splinter of the Mind's Eye, a story where Luke and Leia get marooned on a planet with Darth Vader, and he hunts them across the planet. Hell yeah. Oh, wow. Hell yeah. <laughs> Splinter <laughs> of the Mind's Eye was turned into a novel by Alan Dean Foster and a graphic novel by Marvel. Cool. If, if you like to read, check out the book. If you like comics, check out the comic. Cool. I've checked out neither, yeah. but I, I promise you I'm going to check out the comic. Cool. As soon as I read this, I'm like, I have to read that, that comic. amazing. And Alan Dean Foster, like Dean, you know, obviously you know Alan Dean Foster. Yeah, he wrote like, Alien book. Yeah, Alien he wrote book, Alien. Right? Yeah, yeah he, he's done a whole bunch of um, yeah. movie ad- adaptations. Yeah. He's a very successful writer. So this this book is probably fucking incredible. It probably rules. Yeah, yeah. He's a great, great novelist for sure. Check it out. Now, the movie starts off. As always, we have our opening crawl which I will read for everyone now, for your listening pleasure. Great. It is a dark time for the rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. One. Maybe not one. Maybe my favorite opening crawl. Yeah. I I think that's just a great buildup to this movie. Mm. Just reading that. Ooh, I I like it. Even just the part where it's like Darth Vader obsessed with finding... Skywalker because like if you've if you were actually watching this movie as the you've only seen a new hope and now you get to this movie all he knows of him is that he like fucked up his Death Star right like he just mm. like blew it up mm. and he somehow had some like connection. he knows of the force he knows of the force he knows that this kid knows of the force so now he's obsessed with finding this yeah, kid it's beautiful and it's, it's beautiful yeah I yeah. love it I love that you start out with that because we haven't actually seen that we haven't actually seen Darth Vader being obsessed with the kid mm. yet so it's cool that they set that up definitely yeah So the movie starts out with a Star Destroyer dropping probe droids. Then we see Luke on the winter planet where he gets caught by a Wampa. Now, I had read that Lucas initially wanted to just start out with Luke on the planet, but decided to throw in the Star Destroyer and probe droids and start it from there. I think that's a great choice. Of course. I love seeing that first. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm a very big fan of this opening scene with Luke here. Because as a child, it helped me understand the force is powerful, but it can't save you from everything, Mm. right? Like as powerful as Luke is, he can still be taken out with bad weather. Yeah, totally. And (laughs) And a wampa. And a wampa. But that really worked for me as a kid. And I remember having these feelings like it, it worked to knock him down a level after what we just saw him do, which was blow up the Death Star, Mm. right? Yeah. If you come into this movie with him being ultra powerful again, I don't think it works as well as if you drop him down to be this like, um, he's very vulnerable here. Mm. So I, I liked it. 
Tim, I'm going to, I don't want to get ahead of things, but you know, that's to me an important theme of the empire. And one of the reasons why it's so successful, I don't think there's another star Wars movie in where the protagonists get their asses kicked so badly throughout the course of the film, the whole movie for the whole movie. Like they're just going from one, you know, um, uh, maelstrom or one one challenge to another and and they're they're never really given a moment's respite and you know yet somehow that allows their character to shine through like and again uh, sorry if I'm getting too far ahead but I mean on the Millennium Falcon when they're getting pursued by the fleet and it's just that ragtag group of them and there's infighting going on and yet you know there's still family kind of thing like that just pulls you to those characters in a way oh, that for sure. You, and so the, the vulnerability aspect that you just mentioned, like with Luke and I mean, Luke obviously goes for the ringer Yeah, in this movie. Yeah. It, it's such a key part of why the movie is successful. You really do care what's happening to the characters. Yeah. And especially starting it out, like starting out the movie on that Luke, just like in a loss right away. Yeah. And he was the big hero of the first one. It was the whole journey was that Luke could be the hero started out on a loss. Great start to the movie. Then we see Han and Leia, and of course Han is immediately talking about leaving. It's classic Han. <laughs> classic, yeah. He's got to get out of here. Not he's enough money. He's got to pay Jabba. Not enough money here. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Uh, you get really fun interaction between him and Leia here. Uh, it provides some early humor for the movie. Mm. Um, then we see three PO and R two, and they let Han know that Luke is missing, mm-hmm. and this catches Han's attention. Right, another thing that we love about him is. When when push really comes to shove, he's going to be there, right? He just said he's leaving, yeah. Right, but now his friend is in need <laughs> and lost, and Han's ready to step up. So Han rides out into the storm to find Luke. Yeah, I love it. it again to start off with it. Instead of like last movie, it was that he didn't want to be a part of the like basically didn't want to be a part of Star Wars. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to be a part of the movie, mm. and then he comes in at the end and and you know saves the day, and that's huge. I like that we start with, okay, I'm leaving, but oh, my friend's out there. No, I'm, I'm saving my friend. And so you, you know right away, you're like, okay, this is still the hero of the last movie. Uh, you know, it's, have you guys heard much about Harrison Ford talking about the character of Han Solo? A little bit, yeah. He didn't really like him. He yeah. thought he was such a one-dimensional character. And yet, I'm so surprised by that because to me, there's something very like deep about the character yeah. in a very simplistic way it's but simple isn't necessarily shallow simple yeah. can still be very deep and han solo is a great example of that because it's a simple dichotomy like yeah he's fleeing from responsibility freeing from from compassion and those kind of things but at the end of the day in his kind of gruff way he's gonna still hold true to his principles and he would need to otherwise we wouldn't really like the guy unless he's sort of more of an anti-hero yeah kind of guy right? yeah that's why i like when he's leaving and and then the guy says you'll die out there he says then i'll see you in hell mm-hmm. like he's mm-hmm. just he's gonna do it mm-hmm. he doesn't care mm-hmm. he's gonna go and save his friend if his friend is out there dying then yeah. he's out there dying too yeah uh now dean it's time for the limb counter I, I knew it was coming i knew it was coming we've been counting limbs cut off limbs in the franchise <laughs> and luke cuts off and luke cuts off the arm of the wampa uh and he escapes from the cave yeah so we're now at 11 cut-off limbs in the franchise. Okay. Quick wait, recap. Wait, 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 wait. 11? 11. 11 limbs. By the point of... Are you, you're Empire. including the, the prequels? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. 
So quick recap, we have Phantom Menace with a zero, Attack of the Clones, Zam Wessel's arm cut off, Anakin's arm cut off, Revenge of the Sith was a fucking bloodbath, <laughs> Count Dooku loses two hands, Grievous loses two hands, Mace Windu loses a hand, poor Anakin loses an arm and two legs, Ouch. then mm -hmm. nothing in Solo, nothing in Rogue One, Ponda Baba loses an arm in A New Hope, and now the vicious Wampa loses an arm Great. in Empire. Great. I think we can all agree the, the Wampa was the saddest of the lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, excuse me. I felt terrible for Anakin. <laughs> yeah, you guys I mean, are heartless. Everyone has their opinions. Everyone, yeah, everyone has their opinions are, on Anakin. You guys are heartless. <laughs> all right. What did that Wampa do? It was hungry. Exactly. Yeah, he just wanted to eat. Hey, you know what I just wondered? You know what I wondered in this watch through? Luke, he's hanging upside down by his feet, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is what? stuck his feet to the ceiling there i thought the same thing it was ice. Yeah, yeah but, but what how do you do that did wampa did it he froze his he froze did he have his some feet? did he have some water and yeah, he put no luke idea. he hung luke upside down and he applied water thin yeah. layers of water to freeze luke's feet uh you know that's a really good question that's why yeah. i'm bringing it up i mean i could speculate <laughs> but, but um, i was thinking maybe wampa goo some sort of yeah, wampa goo. Wampa yeah. Goo, yeah maybe they can like hawk a loogie yeah like, sneezed on him yeah, yeah absolutely his yeah, feet that's exactly where my mind would go with it i don't know yeah and then it froze because it's cold yeah yeah yeah, I don't know. Come hey, on, Tim. Drop us a line if you know what the hell happened uh, to hang Luke upside down. We're all confused here. I mean, it's a fair question, but... Yeah, you know, it's okay. We also solved it. I think we yeah, solved it. Yeah. Sneeze. Easily, it's a solved. Sneeze. Easily solved by some simple <laughs> logic. Sure. So Luke is suffering in the cold, and before he passes out, he sees the ghost of Obi-Wan telling him to go to the Dagobah system and learn from Yoda, the Jedi who trained him. Cool. Yeah, seems like a bad time though. Seems like Luke's about to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Hey, Luke, go to the Dagobah system." He's <laughs> yeah, like, "Yeah, I'm like, dying dude, here, I man. Got, I got enough on my plate <laughs> yeah, right now. I got, like, I got a lot to yeah. do right now. Like, I, survive." I kind of always looked at it like it <laughs> was knew. a good time because he needed um, Ooh, yeah. something to, to to go on for. Okay, right? like if cool. no, if there's mm. no vision, yeah, you might mm. just die in the cold. I like but it. He's been mm -hmm. given. Um, he's been giving, given something very important to do. So yeah. it might give him that strength to hold on. That's actually yeah. a really interesting point. Yeah. And it's not a direct like, hey, you got to survive this snowstorm so that you can go to Dagobah. It's like Obi-Wan's basically assuring him that he survives. Yeah. And then after that, he needs to go to Dagobah. You got to go to, yeah. Right. This is your this is your mission after this thing yeah. that you got going on yeah, here. It's like, like, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Except the, the little hole was that Yoda trained Obi-Wan. That didn't happen. Not a hole. Not a hole. Not a hole. No, it, it's you would really learn about it from the prequel trilogy. So it was like Yoda training the younglings. He's a teacher for younglings. I guess that's true. That's true. Yeah, Obi-Wan yeah, would yeah. have been a youngling and would have had Yoda as a teacher for many years. Sure. Yeah. So directly, did we see it? No, but it would be implied that Obi-Wan was trained as a youngling. Fair. But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's not like explicitly given to us yeah and like obviously he didn't know that there was a Qui-Gon Jinn when he time. made that movie yeah um but yeah okay yeah. I like it now it's the next day um I love this shot of the rebel speeders buzzing the terrain to find Han and Luke mm. oh yeah it's great it looks Iconic. so yeah. great yeah. Dean you touched on this in our New Hope episode it's so important for these visual effects to look real yeah so that we can buy into the fact that mm -hmm. this is real and we believe it. Yeah. Like if these effects don't look real, you're going to be taken out of the movie at every moment. Yeah. But when they're real and you feel like you're there, 
oh, it just makes it so believable. It just helps you to get immersed in this story. Yeah. And you know, the one of the first chances they get here to do like these special effects. My goodness, does it look great? Yeah, for sure. Like it, it it's what the it's what this trilogy has. It is kind of what the magic is, is that we can relate to the characters. Even though they're mm. in space and they're doing their thing, they're kind of just normal people. They're just like, mm-hmm. they don't have any special, you know, they kind of have special powers. They learn to have special powers, but not really. You know, it's, it feels like it's something we could learn too, you know, if we just did, if we learned the right thing. So making the effects also look, you know, like like real, then we can connect with that. We can't just, yeah. we can stay with those characters in those moments yeah. instead of being separated from those characters. Exactly. Yeah, actually, yeah, that. and this is something I was bringing up to Tim earlier today. Um, I don't know how they do it, but these people sitting in the cockpits of the X wings, or you know, uh, the land speeders there, or sorry, the snow speeders. Um, <laughs> you know, they're just people briefly in their cockpit. Yeah. Yet, you know, it seems like somebody that you work with, or somebody very relatable and a very basic way it's like they're not throwing it out there that hey this is this person's character attributes it's just subtly conveyed that this is a real person and you have no trouble buying into it right like uh, uh, a new hope did it really well in in the death star scene like all the pilots kind of seemed like just regular folks you know um and and so that realism aspect you're talking about the special effects is mirrored by the subtleties of the characters. Yeah, totally. It's, it's not like that's an actor in that cockpit. Yeah. It's like, that's Dave from The Office. Right. I know yeah, that guy, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I exactly. Yeah. I think that hits on the team level as well. Yeah. Like, you know how you, if mm. you're on a team, you just have this, you have this mutual adoration for everybody uh, because you're on that team. And we know that they're on the team of the rebels, right? Yeah. So you don't, we don't want to see any of our friends go down. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, you kind of feel for them. Although it's weird because I'm arguably more of a fan of the Empire than I am of the Rebels, <laughs> right? I don't really like mm. the uh, the general workers or whatever. I'm not really fans of them, but like the guys at the top, I like more than the heroes. Seriously, of the Rebels. Yeah, I'm Darth Vader is my number one character. Emperor is number two. Um, mm. I always gravitated towards them. Um, Always, like as it from a kid, from a teenager, now like actually rooting for them to win. Um, no, I wouldn't say I'm rooting for like the outcome to be different, but they're my favorite. They're the ones hmm. I want to watch. Uh, I don't care when they do bad things. Um, <laughs> I'm not hoping that the movie was changed so that Darth Vader wins. I I love the arc of the story, right? But you know, Darth Vader is my favorite character. Yeah, he does win. Spoilers. Oh. Well, who, who does he win for? Whose side are you on? <laughs> the rebels. Okay, then he, win. then he wins. Okay, uh, yeah. there's two sides though. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loses for he wins. The side he, he's on. He for wins most and of loses. The time. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I don't want to divert too much from the movie itself, but you know, it's an important point to make where the protagonists in the the sequels, to me, were very like unempathetic characters. Like I didn't give a shit about any of them. Whereas Kylo Ren, I don't know if it's because Adam Driver is such a compelling actor, but, you know, he was one of the ones that like, yeah, he was the the bad guy, but he stood out as like a a character that I thought was more interesting, more captivating in a way. But I had, I mean, for Empire, like I am rooting for the good guys the whole way through because they are genuine underdogs. Yeah. 
like genuinely underdogs and they're they're believable they're flawed characters like think about mm-hmm. yeah. han solo princess leia like their egos their bickering and whatnot yeah i mean it's blustering hiding the fact that they're in grave danger it's kind of had like gallows humor you know they get through their their situations by kind of going back and forth that way um but they're that's what makes them so lovable yeah is they're they're relatable people that are empathetic and good yet they're in real deep shit yeah in the context of the story i'm definitely pulling for luke and leia and and that group of characters Uh, i'm not really cheering for darth vader but Mm. in the movie and when it's done i want to see darth vader the most out of anybody those are my favorite scenes um he's the character that i i really want to see on screen I had one Star Wars character, one Star Wars toy as a child. It was the Emperor. The only that's really? the only toy I had. I I liked those characters. They were far more interesting yeah. to me than the heroes. But in the movies, yes, I did pull for the heroes. Yeah. But it was more about like who did I like best? Yeah. It wasn't the people I was pulling for. Yeah. I just thought the other guys were more cool. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. But, um so the rebels, they quickly need to evacuate this base on Hoth because Vader's onto them. He knows enough to know that they're there, which I thought was cool. He just, he knows, he knows something, right? Yeah. He, he sees can... a small, he sees a small picture from yeah. the, from the probe droid and he knows. And his like, his generals are like, no, they're definitely not there. And he's like, no, I know. Uh, I know Admiral Ozzel. Yeah. yeah. And he knew them immediately. That, yeah, that, he that's knew immediately. Really cool. They're like talking about it amongst themselves before he gets there. And they're mm-hmm. like, no, 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 there's all the, the that, yeah. that can't be them. And he just gets there, sees the picture. He's like, that's them. We got to yeah. go down. That, that's yeah. them right now. We got to get them. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just like a battery. It was like yeah, a battery, yeah. a battery pack down he there. He just knew. He, he just yeah. knew. Yeah. And uh, now cue the incredible land battle with the Adat here on Hoth. Mark, what did you think of this battle sequence? <laughs> I mean, are you? Do you need to ask? <laughs> uh, just assume this is one of the greatest. Like, <laughs> I mean, Mark, tell us about it then. Well, so <laughs> we know you love it. Tell us about it. You know, one of the things they do really effectively is the buildup, because you know you get a sense of them building up their defenses they got those trenches they got a few reasonably sized like guns or whatever and you're like okay you know that's a pretty decent and then you see those flickers just those tiny dots on the horizon yeah and it's menacing like as a kid that scared the shit out of me yeah and the way the music you know starts building on that and just some of the shots it's like oh shit you know, you really get in the sense of like you're in the trenches with those guys and it's not good when you see those things. And then once the battle starts, it, it you see why it's like, it's terrifying. Like yeah. those things are actually, they're scary. They're just giant metal, massive laser firing, like killing machines. And they're basically impervious to anything they throw at them. Yeah. They, they did a great job of making that scene feel... Um, like unwinnable for the heroes. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Felt exactly. like they were in in dire trouble. Uh, what do you think, Dean? Yeah. Um. So I say ATAT. Am I supposed to say ADAT? Yeah. I just learned just okay. researching for this episode. Shit. Lucas. I I have always said ATAT. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas said it's ADAT. Okay. You can say what he said. Well, obviously, say whatever you want, but he meant it as ADAT. Okay. I'm gonna say ATAT. Um, they look fucking huge. They look huge, and I know they're little models. They are like, huge, but but I but they're models. Like, but they actually look big. Like the that's another thing where the scene just looks incredible. Like, there are there are scenes where there are not just 
planes flying around them, but people. You know, there's like Luke is there and mm. he's like underneath one and everything's seamless. Like it just looks like this is a huge machine and they built this huge thing and it's walking around. It looks awesome. Like it's, it's stop motion must be right. Like it just looks yeah, be stop motion. so good. And uh, yeah, it looks unwinnable. It looks like, especially when they're firing at it. It's like, we don't know how to hit this thing. We yeah. can't hit this thing. You're doing nothing to it. You're how do nothing. you do it? Yeah. So I, I love it. I love just... uh it's what we've mentioned a couple times already. It's it's you get that underdog feeling as soon as they yeah. fly in there. You're like they can't win. No. How can our heroes win? And then so when they figure it out, it's just so much uh, joy for us yeah. watching it. You know, yeah. it's just like yes, we did it. Yeah, we we're with them. We're cheering. Uh, it's it's an amazing amazing battle. I thought they just did such a great job of introducing the ATATs, which I'm also going to call them. Hell yeah, that's what I call them. Hell yeah. Um. They start off with like the binocular shot. Yeah. So yeah. you see them from miles away. Yeah. And you see the foot. The guy's binoculars are zoomed in on the yeah. foot. So good. Yeah. And then he has to like zoom shot. out to shoot up. Oh, so like good. anything yeah. that so far good. away, yeah. he's expecting to fully be in his viewfinder. Yeah. And it's just the foot. That's great. Direction such a great, right there. yeah, such great direction to show us the scale of this thing. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I really, really like that. Um, the yeah, slow just, mechanicalness, you know, it, uh, it, it reminds me of another 80s movie, The Terminator, the first Terminator, yeah, yeah. like the mechanical cold steel kind of, well, and that's another thing, the setting, Hoth. Like, I don't know, they, they used a lot of blue filters, maybe when they were filming that movie. Yeah. Well, maybe, but everything yeah, seems yeah. blue yeah, and sure. cold. Yeah. And it sets a tone that like, you know, when you're watching movies, those things make impressions. Yeah. You know, like those, those things, uh, they seep into, they filter everything that you take in, whether it's a character or a, a storyline or a scene, everything is kind of filtered through that lens of the visual aesthetic that they create. Yeah. That blueness, that coldness. And so when you're dealing with giant mechanical machines, it's, it's just another thing adding to that dynamic and it, it makes an impression on you as a viewer right? yeah for sure it's like it, we, we've seen snow before you know it's not like like that's just amazing to us but for some reason this planet's so cool i'm wearing a yeah. shirt that is just the planet right yeah now. this is hoth like it's blue like great that's, shirt by the way it's the reason like i bought a shirt that is just that just the blueness mm. of it that uh, yeah that shirt has a blue filter on it yeah for sure exactly. <laughs> it's very blue for the shirt has a blue filter on it <laughs> I, I i love it it looks it looks so great and i think the slowness of, of those ATATs moving also um adds to that feeling of them being big because if yeah. it's that much machinery yeah. it would move that slowly to like lift that leg up and right. walk i just right. think that that stop motion effect of it just adds to it the believability yeah yeah and in a new hope we've seen desert and we've seen like immaculate spaceship yeah so like to go along with what this movie is, the 180 from A New Hope, we go to a winter planet, the yeah, opposite totally. of desert. Mm. So yeah. we're, it really like catches you off guard because you're not expecting that type of environment. Mm. It's very cool. And also, like how powerful is it that this is where the rebels had to flee to? I know, yeah. Like a frozen planet. Yeah. yeah. That's how dire things are. Yeah. yeah. That's where they have to hide. Awesome. Uh, very cool. It was shot in Finland. Okay. Um. So cold there that there were some scenes with Luke and the and the uh, the Tauntaun there that uh, the Tauntauns actually died. <laughs> Tauntaun, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, they actually died. They yeah. lost several yeah. Tauntauns during yeah. filming. Yeah, it's a of this. PR nightmare. Yeah, uh, no, but the 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 crew were inside the hotel with the camera set up at the door, 
filming Mark Hamill running around in the snow because they didn't they didn't want to go out. It was too cold. Yeah. They sent him out. They also packed like a couple cartons of fake snow to bring to Finland because they didn't know if it would like there'd be enough snow. Right. So they actually brought <laughs> fake snow with them. Apparently a very snowy winter in Finland and didn't uh, need they it. did not need the fake snow yeah. that they brought. It, I mean, as Winnipeggers, like we've seen some winters. Yeah. But well, we that know was like it looked serious. cold. Yeah. It looked yeah. Luke looked cold. So well, he was is, cold. Yeah, was it is it's good to know that he cold. was cold because I was yeah. I, I watched that and I was like, he looks really cold yeah. for real. It was a yeah, legit freezing cold yeah. uh, scenario. Awesome. So um I, I also really like as this whole like battle is going on on the surface, you have under the surface in the rebels base. Mm. And I was just, I loved the leadership Leia is showing naturally here. She's directing people sure. what to do, yeah. go here, go there. Yeah. Um, one thing we mentioned in a new hope is that that final sequence, um, the trench run to the death star, it was a little bit off because we're used to seeing like space battle, land battle and having them cut right. back and forth. Yeah. So that element was missing this scene really worked for me because they were just cutting from surface to under the surface. Yeah. It wasn't a big change, but it kept me engaged going, just being able to have those cuts. Mm-hmm. I never felt like one of the, the scenarios went on for too long. So I just wanted to, to point out to that. I thought it was really cool. For sure. Um, we see Vader and the snow troopers making their way into the base. Mm. How mm. cool do snow troopers Hell look? yeah. Oof. Oh man. More intimidation awesome. factor. Like, there is a shot, and this is one, remember uh, when I mentioned about seeing something new every time, I started paying attention to the the shots, like how they set them up and the angle and, and what you see. Um, when Vader and the snowtroopers enter the base and you hear that kind of broken radio, Imperial troops have entered the base, you know, and then it cuts off. Like, that's fucking terrifying, first yeah. of all. Yep. And second of all, little things like they're kind of like being blocked or taking their time getting to the Falcon to get out of there. And there's a shot that I distinctly remember from the last time I saw it. When you see the Falcon off in the distance from like the doorway to the hangar, and it's like a long ways off. And it's just like that. And you see, see you know, 3PO, he's trying to like, move his way to the thing it's and kind it's taking of running. forever and, but it's like it's so slow you're like ah yeah. oh, get there what the fuck are you doing yeah. get moving you and it's so far away it creates this feeling of like ah oh, shit at any time i'm going to be overtaken by vader and the snowtroopers sure. and they are but i mean it's just that tension is palpable in that scene yeah it's yeah it's so cool that vader himself has come totally right. yeah, yeah. That, that he is there yeah and, and these I, and these snowtroopers just look so cool. Like yeah. this is one of like there the, there's so many characters that look amazing in you know this movie and and A New Hope. But as soon as that one of those snowtroopers is on screen and it's just like kind of in the background for the first time, I'm like what's that guy's yeah. fucking deal? I want to know yeah. about him. Like yeah. that guy looks awesome. awesome. They're pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty badass. Yeah. Again, I always love the like stark Darth Vader black against the white. Oh, and so this is good. Just another yeah. scenario mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. get that. But um, Han, Leia, and three PO barely escape in the falcon they barely escape yeah vader just about gets them and that concludes the opening sequence of this movie yeah and we're like 35 minutes into the movie yeah but it's paced so well yeah it feels like five or ten minutes it feels like that's all that's gone on but there's already 
like 35 pass. Yeah, good yeah. point. Yeah. It's so well paced. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to shout out here to the Star Wars Visionaries comic. Dean, we've covered that before on the, yeah. on the podcast. It's um, a combination of 10 short stories in the Star Wars universe. One of the stories is about this battle. Uh, the story is called Entrenched. It's an excellent and emotional story about one of the soldiers in this battle. And he's recording a hollow message to his mother just before the battle starts. And um, the like, even sending a message has been outlawed by his superior. So he's breaking protocol just to record this message. Mm. He's sharing like how scared everyone is of dying in this battle. Yeah. Not only that, but of like how scared they are of losing their souls for the things that they're forced to do and the things that they've seen. Yeah. And... He turns out to be the soldier who like fights off a snowtrooper so that he can like light up the ground cannon to fire so the the transports can get through. Oh. He's like the guy who yeah. hits the fire button. Nice. And then because he does that, Vader is able to catch him and kill him. Yeah. Uh. And then the message that he recorded while it takes a while to get to his mother his mother turns out to be Mon Mothma, who receives the message and finds out her son is dead just before she gives her big speech in Return of the Jedi. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great comic. Uh, I think it might have been my favorite of the ten. I think we might have done like it was a, the best story. Of yeah, the I 10. think we might have done a top three maybe, and it was for sure in it for me. It was in it was in the top three for me. It was, what, it was uh, one of the best stories in what the year. Was that written? Uh, right after that would have been about. Just after 2000 or something, 2003 or four or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think it was after Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah. 2000. Mm. Or, did it, or did it lead up to Revenge of the Sith? I think it came out just before Revenge of the okay. Sith. Okay. That's an excellent yeah. idea for yeah. a story. It's really cool. That's, That's really not, great. Actually, I, I'm pretty sure I've showed you it before, Mark. Okay. Because there was a really cool um, story about the Emperor in uh, it where he takes like some sort of psychedelic creature and he goes on like a soul journey or oh, yeah that shit rolls and, oh, anyways, okay yeah, like, yeah, 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 honestly yeah. anybody check out the comic star wars visionaries it's yeah. 10 short stories um by 10 different kind of like star wars concept artists they were just allowed to do whatever they want awesome comic if you don't want to read if you can't read then check out our episode on it yeah there may or may not be some emperor impressions on that episode there definitely <laughs> are yeah uh, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I just find like stuff like I love supplementary material like that because yeah. when I read that story, when I know that story, it actually impacts this scene for me when I go back to it. Like I feel the heart of that character mm. in this scene. It makes their plight even more for yeah. me because I yeah. know this like sort of like secret underlying story that's going on. Yeah. I, I just, I love supplementary, I love supplementary material in the Star Wars universe like making the main movies better. Yeah, this is the first time I have watched this movie since reading that comic and doing that episode, and it I was definitely thinking about it hmm. while while I was watching that scene. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. There's the weird little touches. Uh, this is something I don't even know. It's not important or anything, but it's an interesting detail, which you may have a, a grander kind of um, implication. You know when uh, the, the I call them adats. So I'll be the. Ooh, that's fine. The correct word. Sure. Yeah. Correct. I hope that I don't. I'm going to call them now. AT ats then. Oh, right cool. Right cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Come on, Tim. Let's yeah. at least be consistent here. <laughs> Stick with AT AT. It's okay. fine. All right. 
But when it's charging up to blow up the base, like, you know, and the guy says target, incidentally, that actor who plays the ADAT driver. Yeah. I believe his name is Julian Glover. He's been a Bond villain. He was in Game of Thrones. He was oh, really? cool. Meister Pycelle in Game of Thrones. Cool. He's he's one of those guys, you know, he's been around. Anyway, he, uh, when he's targeting the base and he says like maximum firepower or something, and he's going to shoot these mega lasers, which I guess they can do. <laughs> the next scene before they do it, he just takes the time to like casually shoot a ground troop who's like literally <laughs> oh, running nice. away from the ad ad. Like, get that guy first. Yeah, <laughs> get yeah, that guy I, first. You know, <laughs> there's something so like wantonly yeah. cruel about that that it kind totally. of sets the tone a little bit too. It's like, what, well, why that guy? Yeah. He's just, you know. You know, you'd do the same thing. If you saw a <laughs> well, single guy I mean, running there, I'd do it. I'd go after that guy. it's entirely possible. I'm not, I'm not arguing that he did the wrong thing. I'm just saying it's some, it's a detail. It's cruel. It's cruel. And and it's something, it's just so unnecessary. Yeah. But maybe it's those unnecessary flavor touches. Yeah. That's lacking from the other ones. It's like, Mm. there's little nuances like that, that are just, Oh yeah, totally out of, they're so not sensical in a way that it, it gives it a kind of weird, Hmm. that gives a depth yeah yeah cool think of how satisfying it would be to shoot that one guy <laughs> I mean, with your giant blaster <laughs> tim is part of the empire he's already on there he's already been groomed <laughs> i think he's gonna come out by the end of the episode and <laughs> saying that he was fully in support of the empire yeah. <laughs> and was actually kind of upset when they yeah. lost you guys let me know when my eyeballs start turning yellow <laughs> <laughs> So the battle's ending. The rebels are escaping. Luke finds R2 in an X-Wing. He gets in and sets a course to Dagobah. Now, Dean, after A New Hope Mm -hmm. and our team are friends. Space friends. Nice space friends. They come together for a good chunk of the movie. Mm -hmm. What did you think about the change in Empire where the team is fractured and apart for a good chunk of the movie? Uh, So I love it. Um, While I'm watching it, I am sad. I'm sad that Luke is going off by himself. Uh, I love it because Luke is going to get to grow in this movie and Han is going to get to grow in this movie and Leia is going to get to grow in this movie and they're all going to kind of do it separately. You know, Luke's not going to be there while they're doing, uh, while they're they're all kind of growing on their own. Um, but when he's going off on his own, like they just saved him. They, he was, he was, he was on his own. They just saved him and he's going to branch off on his own because he saw ghost Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like at that time, I'm like, yeah, I guess he has to do it, but I'm a little sad. I'm a little sad. Han Solo just ran out there and saved you and you're going to just leave. Uh, yeah, it turns out to be pretty cool, but I was, I was disappointed at the time. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It felt a bit weird. Yeah. 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 Mark, what do you think? Did it feel weird for you that they're kind of separate? I mean, it goes along with this whole 180 where everything seems different in Empire from what A New Hope gave us. Mm. So it would make sense that they fracture this team and, and separate them. But did it feel weird to you mm. at all? Or was it just, it was okay? Weird, good. Yeah. Again, it's one of these things where um, it's a very adult movie. And I mean, it you is. Know, think about you know our adult lives where you have good friends who you see once a year. And it's just because everyone's doing their thing, you know, and, and you don't hold it against them. It's like, you know, as soon as you get back together, you'll be same as always, but you got shit to do. 
you know, at our age, people have families or whatever. I'm, okay, so this is a bit of a tangent, but I mean, like, they had different objectives. They had different things they had to do. They're in a desperate situation. There's no time to be, like, um, sentimental about it. Like, Luke had to go do his thing because that is the only way he's going to be able to do what he needs to do to overcome the empire. Like a lot's riding on him. Yeah. He can't be thinking about, Oh, I miss my friends or, you know, and they played that up nicely because he obviously cares about them very deeply. And so he was kind of torn between his duty and his feelings and they made a big thing of it. And it it was a very effective story arc. Yeah. What what I really like that makes it, I think, adult is there's no scene where it's like, oh, come on, Luke, you got to come with us. Like, we, 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 you got to be no part of the team. That. There's no time for that. Like, he's just going and doing his thing because that's what he's doing. Like, that's what he saw the vision. And he's going to do it. And they're like, yeah. okay, cool. Like, you got to do that then. Yeah. And, and he's going to break off. Yeah. Yeah. So Luke lands in a swamp on Dagobah and R2 gets swallowed and then spit out of a swamp. <laughs> yep which was a late addition to the movie that needed to be filmed in George Lucas's swimming pool. Great. <laughs> Great. I love that. Didn't That's know that. Excellent. That is amazing. Yeah. Now, getting to Dagobah here and seeing all of this again definitely reminded me how scared I was of most of the Dagobah scenes as a kid. Yeah. Definitely. Um, True. I remember it kind of sparked my memory, and I remember turning away in a lot of scenes in this movie. Yeah. Even yep. after seeing it for the first time, like yep. w- right around this point too, you even get to see Vader with his helmet being put on and you get to see the back of his head yeah. Yeah. and he's yeah. got this massive scar yeah. and he's bald and he's yeah. like, you're just thinking, what the hell happened to that guy? Yeah. Like what, what is going on? So Mark, you've mentioned it a couple of times. I think this movie is the perfect mix of like kid and adult friendly. Yeah. Like there's something for everybody. Yeah. Um, it happens a lot with like kids animated movies nowadays where they try to make the movies interesting for the adults because the adults also have to go to the movies, mm. but nothing has ever worked as good as this. It is basically right. made f- for both. Like it's yeah. perfectly made for both. So yeah, definitely. It's cool. Yeah. Um, we meet Yoda, a very interesting character. We meet the best Yoda's ever been. Mark, are you a fan of Mo- Moda? Are you a fan of Moda? <laughs> Uh, in this UV? Well, it's <laughs> <laughs> a great question. I never thought of that one before. I don't think that question's ever been asked. No, I, I mean, you threw me. That's a curveball. Yeah, I guess so. If he's, <laughs> if they're an empire, then sure. Well, what do you, what do you think though? Like, uh, like having seen it so many times, like what's your take on Yoda? Cause I, I think he's a very, he's very interesting. He's also very strange. He almost doesn't fit in the movie. He, he seems like a bit of an outlier uh, in this one. And like, what do you, what's your well, take on Yoda? You know, Yoda is like almost a classic kind of archetype of like a Zen master or something like that. Right. It's like, you know, if you think of martial arts movies, it's like the goofy sensei or the, uh, or, you know, um, the older one who's got the crazy hair or whatever and seems like they're a goofball, yet secretly they're, they're not even secretly, they're just like they have true mastery over whatever their martial art is. Uh, and that's kind of Yoda. I mean, and and I think it's actually kind of interesting how Yoda's sort of testing Luke the whole time to gauge his character. And that's why he comes across as kind of an irritating character 
sort of goofball or clown, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and deliberately kind of prodding and poking Luke who takes himself way too seriously at the time. Um, I think Yoda's fantastic. And I mean, by the time Luke leaves Dagobah, there's that somber scene where you can see the light of the X-Wing kind of reflecting on Yoda's face. And Obi-Wan shows up and he's like, you know, that boy is our last hope. And then Yoda says, no, there is another. Yeah. Like how sober and serious he is there. But it it builds up, you know, over that course of however much time on Dagobah where you start to realize that, that he actually is as serious as they come. Right. That's a great point, actually. Yeah. It's yeah, it's brilliant. I I think Yoda is brilliant in this movie. I think that like starting him out being a goofball, he doesn't know who's here. He doesn't know who's come to the planet. He's hiding. He's hiding out. He doesn't want everyone to you know. Think he's... So he yeah. has to know because I mean, if you go by the logic, even what we were talking about before, he probably knows R two D two. That's for sure. Well, but you know, Vader can look at Hoth. Yeah. and know that Luke's and know that there. there. Yeah, like somebody like Yoda has got to know that yeah. Luke's Luke. So then, so then he's testing him. Because yeah. Jedi's have to be yeah, patient, I agree with that. right? So yes. he's testing him by being this like a screws, a couple screws are loose in in this little frog, yeah. or whatever. You know, he's just like being this weirdo that is testing Luke's patience. And when Luke can't handle it, when Luke doesn't have the yep. patience, then he goes serious and he says, yeah. "You can't be trained. Yes, like, you can't be exactly." A All the way, he gets more and more serious up to that point, up to that last yes. thing that he says before yes. they leave. I think it's such a good build. I think Yoda rules in this movie. I think mm. it's. I think
based upon the fact he's a Jedi master who has Jedi that are like, like, who do you think put Obi-Wan up to force ghosting onto Hoth and telling Luke to go train with Yoda? Yeah. You think Obi-Wan wouldn't have consulted with Yoda about that first? Yeah. Actually, point. that's a really, that's that's a really good point. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. He's not going to send Luke to Yoda without telling him about it. Hopping on the Jedi <laughs> yeah. hotline from time yeah, to time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Yoda, yeah. like, um, <laughs> I'm sending Luke to you. You remember, <laughs> yeah, like, remember Luke Skywalker? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, what? He's, he's going to stop by. He's going <laughs> to stop on. by. Like, he's, he's almost dying on Hoth now, but he's going to stop yeah, by after he figures that shit out. Right, yeah. I think you guys are, you got to give... Yoda a bit more credit. Yeah, Mark, I think so. I appreciate yeah. that. You yeah. filled it in. You filled you in did. the hole you for me. Okay. All right. It's because yeah. he starts out as a goofball. You're just like, what is yeah. it? Who is this guy? Yeah. yeah. Which is good. I love it. I think it's that, great. But I think that's he's so funny. A great point, yeah. though. I think as an audience member, you're meant to almost sympathize with Luke's point of view. It's yeah. like, ah, who's this fucking annoying for sure. little creature? Like, this guy's, you know, and you get irritated like Luke would. And then when you clue in, is when Luke clues in, but yeah. it's almost too late at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's clever the way they do it. Yoda, he had a ton of personality in this movie. Oh a yeah, ton. Yeah, like that is something that was lost in the prequel. I trilogy. agree. Yoda, he yeah. has zero personality. Yoda yeah. sucks. He's in the prequels. he's a, just yeah. a boring ass statue. Yeah, kind of a caricature of himself. In yeah, a way. like yeah. you need this needs to be Yoda. Like this is what yeah. this yeah. is what you need of this character. This is the best we get from him. Yes, agreed. you know they they should have made him more like. I understand in the prequels he's a, he's playing a different role. I don't think that you need to change him like that, though. He could still be fun. He could still be goofy. I think it would have added a ton to his character Mm -hmm. in those movies. You can do both. He can still be as serious as he is in Mm -hmm. that movie with also having his moments of being goofy. You need those I think they missed out on an opportunity to make him goofy in the prequels. Yeah. Yeah. Like his fight with R2... At the beginning, yeah, uh, so funny. Lands, it's so funny. It's, so it's funny. hitting him so with the classic. stick just it's to like great. steal the flashlight yeah. Yeah. that he stole. Yeah. You, you that's never, mine. You never it. get that out of no. prequel Yoda. It's, and that's it's like weird. some of the the most fun stuff of his so character. Yeah, right? so good. Yeah. <laughs> so Vader gets a message from the Emperor who says that he thinks the son of Anakin Skywalker was the one who destroyed the Death Star. Sounds impossible, Tim. And he must be destroyed. But Vader suggests they try to turn him to the dark side and the Emperor agrees. Mm. Huge fan of this part. Dean, you look like you have something to say. Yeah. L- let me you go. Let me say let me go first. Okay. You, you keep that keep it's that. Ready. It's ready. I like this part because of the Sith rule of two. Odin's nodding his head. He agrees. This is what he's thinking. Mark's well, you look confused. No, I, I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm okay. Sorry, finish your thought. I'll, I'll say when you guys are gone. Okay, so here's my here's my take on this scene. Yeah. Okay. The Emperor sees Luke as a threat. Vader sees Luke as a way to overthrow the Emperor. Mm. Not because he has a good heart and he wants to do the right thing, but because that's what the Sith do. Their whole philosophy is the apprentice becomes powerful enough to kill the master, becoming the master themselves, then taking on a new apprentice, and hopefully that cycle continues. It's explained that that's the way the Sith have remained hidden for so many years and become so ultra-powerful. Yeah. Right? Like, we know that there used to be, there was a grand battle between the Sith and the Jedi, there were as many Sith as, as there were Jedi. They had a big fight. The Jedi won. They thought they wiped out the Sith. But the Sith came back by re- remaining hidden. So they made the rule. There, were, there would only be two. 
but they needed to be super powerful. So they keep killing each other, becoming more and more powerful. So it's honorable for your apprentice to kill you because that means your apprentice is more powerful than you. And that will continue the Sith going even stronger and stronger into the future. So they always want to kill the master. So I like that when Vader says, no, let's turn Luke instead of killing him. The emperor, in my opinion, immediately knows what Vader's thinking. He knows what Vader wants to do. Mm -hmm. So he says, okay, sure. Let's turn him instead. Probably thinking that if they can turn Luke, Luke will kill Vader. Yeah. And Luke will become the emperor's new, more powerful apprentice. Yeah. So he's like on board in that moment, knowing what Vader's thinking. It's exactly why I love it, Tim. I didn't really know about this or get this until we did our Revenge of the Sith episode, because there was a line in that movie that I thought was really weird and I didn't get it. And it's when Anakin says to Padme, let's overthrow the emperor together and we can rule the galaxy together. And I just didn't get it. I didn't understand why he would do that. And it's because he's already a Sith and it's the, the, the Sith are just trying to overthrow their master so that they can be the most powerful. And so you come to this and it's exactly the same thing. He's like, yeah, let's turn him. Let's turn this Luke Skywalker. Who's my son, you know, let's, let's turn him. And, uh, and yeah, then we could be really powerful. Everybody in that conversation knows what's going on. Yeah. Emperor knows what's going on. Vader know. knows what's going on. And they're both like, yeah, this sounds good. Whatever the outcome is, it's going to be the two most powerful. It's like, you know, Emperor's like, I'm going to have Luke Skywalker. Like he's going to be, yeah. if he can beat you, then he's more powerful. And I'm, I'm happy with it. And Vader's like, eh, if Luke's as powerful as I think, we can overthrow. I love it. I think it's great. Nothing can go wrong. I thought the rule of, of two was stupid until you explained it to me. And now I love it. The rule of two, the rule of two is amazing. Yeah. It's I love it. Amazing for, for how it like progresses the Sith and how they can fight the Jedi. Like yeah. they, those two sit, the two Sith, the master and the pre- and apprentice, I mean, I think you put them up against any two Jedi and they're going to win. They're right. more powerful. Right. The Jedi have numbers. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's just like. And the like the Emperor, like the, the Ian McDermott performance here, which is like recorded after like this is. Yes, it was. It was the, the, at after. least the version I watched was the Ian McDermott version. He knows like you can tell in his performance that he knows what Vader's doing. It's like he can. He's like, OK, you know, he knows he's that Vader's idea is to turn Luke and then overthrow him. It's like, he almost knows that as he's talking. Well, the to whole him. thing is that there's only yeah. two, like you yeah. already said, there, there's only two, no more, no less. Yeah. So what's Vader saying? He's like, let's, let's bring on a third. Yeah. No, he's no, saying, let's, can't. let's yeah. make a new two. Yeah. Let's find a new two here, me and Luke. And I wonder if the original performance gives that off. It, like, cause I really gives, got it. it. It does. I okay. checked into that because okay. I was curious yeah. because in the version I watched, yes, it was the Ian McDermott. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with that. I don't. I don't mind that they put him back in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big deal. Um, but I wanted to know if the messaging was the same. Yeah, it's very, very close. Okay, cool. Uh, they, That's in cool. the original, they do give off the same information. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, I think as an audience member, though, in that scene, you think that okay, they want to add a third. Like, I, I for sure, it doesn't yeah. become clear. You know, I was just thinking as you guys were talking, like, when does it become clear about this master apprentice rule of two thing? Well, even later in the movie, Vader says to Luke, like, we can rule the, ga- the galaxy as father and son. Yeah. And then in, in Return of the Jedi, you know, uh, Palpatine or uh, Sidious 
uh, says, you know, strike me down. You know, like it's there's yeah, always exactly. there's like there's yeah, echoes. It is there. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. The, strike, me not, strike me down and I become more powerful. Is it, was that the line? Yeah. 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 Which uh, is true. No, uh, or, uh, strike me down. Like, uh, oh, no, that was Obi-Wan um, said that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, hope. Uh, release your hatred or release your anger. Only your hatred can destroy me. Or is that Vader? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. But OK, whatever the particulars are, yeah. there's always echoes. Yeah, it. for sure. For it's sure. not formally spoken. Yeah, yeah. There, there can only be two, but everything that happens in Empire and Return of the Jedi essentially confirms it indirectly. Yeah, that, totally. Like, yeah, yeah, they are out to like betray each other yeah. or something like that. It's, Great, it's accepted. Yeah, yeah, and like if you read the like the Darth Vader comic that has been kind of like recently come out over the past couple of years, you learn in that like Vader and the Emperor they don't trust each other they don't like each other they're just together because mm. they've come together but they don't get along so like even that just well it's, the nature it's, it's of far evil, different right? watching it again yeah. again it's this supplementary material right where yeah it's just you can get a new perspective on things by you know reading the comics watching the clone wars reading books and yeah um you can have different opinions and takes on these scenes because of that yeah i think it's i think it's what mark said accepted it's accepted that you are trying to overthrow the one that's ahead Mm. of you you know they just know it as a group Mm. the the evil the evil group the two just know that the one that's below them is going to be trying to overtake you and you're going to be trying to get a better apprentice like that's just like a religion they just know yeah Yeah, they just know about it and i love that i think it's really i think it's unique like i don't know if i can think of another like evil organization in movies that does that that all know they just know that everyone's trying to backstab mm. each other it's, it's really uh, cool it's survival of the fittest yeah. basically yeah. Yeah. yeah it's awesome yeah so leia han 3po chewie they've been hiding out making repairs on the falcon when they realize they've landed inside a giant asteroid cave worm this was a very imaginative part that's great yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it, you know Looking back on it, it seems a little bit silly, but at the same time, you know, whatever. Like, it's cool. And I think it's like, it's just, it's kind of fun. You it's know? fun, yeah. And, and that's it's kind fun. of, yeah. that's kind of what's happening with that group of characters. Yeah. We're getting like fun interactions with them on the Falcon. Um, Han mm-hmm. and Leia, they have a kiss on the Falcon. Yeah. Right? Great. Um, Leia's already kissed Luke, so weird love triangle cool. going on. Yeah. Cool, not cool. Um <laughs> But they get made by the Empire here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Han has to do this like this cool maneuver where he lands on the Star Destroyer. Very cool. Very cool. Very awesome. neat. Awesome. Uh, and then they eject with the garbage so that they can get away. And Boba Fett follows them. Yeah. That, yeah. That's such a wicked, like, I love it. I just love how they so, did that whole scene. So why do you love that? Uh, it's very imaginative and it, it yeah. speaks to the fact that the empire is yes, immense and powerful and everything, but it's because they're so like, I don't know, uh, unimaginative because they don't need to be imaginative. Yeah. There's something so silly as landing on them would work. They're right. all power. They don't need right. to yeah, think of how you can like, be creative well, uh, in the moment. You know, yeah. He's disappeared from, well, then they just assume out of their arrogance that like something else happened. Yeah. Right. They're not, they're not trained to be thoughtful and imaginative enough to detect something like yeah. that. But somebody like Boa Fett is. Yeah, like that's true. literally yeah. his business. True. Is like <laughs> thinking yeah. ahead of his prey. Yeah, and understanding he probably like, oh yeah, okay, 
this is pretty much what had to have happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I, plays yeah. right into uh, it. I this this scene really works for me because just seeing Boba Fett's ship, um, like launching off of debris, mm-hmm. or yeah. he's, he's on a I can't remember if he's on an asteroid or I think he's on an asteroid or something or whatever debris whatever. Yeah. Who fucking cares? He um he flies off, but it's his ship. It's his ship that does it for me. Yeah. Because we've seen rebel ships nonstop. We've seen imperial ships nonstop. The slave one is new. Yeah. It's different. Mm. It doesn't look like either of those two. No, it flies it, so weird. It, you know, it flies so the wrong way. Almost. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Just when I see that ship, I'm just I, I fall in love with that scene. Great ship. Just for how different his ship looks. Yeah. Totally. Um. We also touched on this in our Attack of the Clones episode. Um, in that in that movie, when do you remember when Django and Boba are chasing Obi Wan through the asteroid field? Yeah. Obi Wan lands on an asteroid and hides, and they they think they destroyed him. Right, and then he comes back later. Yeah, and I believe that Boba probably like searched his like thoughts for how Obi Wan survived realized he landed on an asteroid and then Boba Fett uses that here against Han Solo. Oh. He he uses that trick. He lands on the asteroid hmm. and then follows them the same way that Obi-Wan used it on them in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, that's, I mean, that would be an interesting continuity. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be... I, your guys' knowledge and, of, and breadth of knowledge of Star Wars is a lot greater than mine so like i'm not aware of a lot of the comics or anything but that's kind of cool um i like when they do things like that that makes sense one thing uh i'm not a fan of is when they take like direct quotes or cut out pieces like how many star wars movies or shows do they say whoever it is i have a bad feeling about this everyone everyone and it's like it's a trope and it's like that's emblematic to me of everything that's they're trying to just copy they're not trying to like do something original what you just described that example of you know boba fett learning it that that's subtle that's a little bit more like okay yeah that's kind of a more actual real thing oh that's a neat trick i'm gonna try that one later on right yeah um yeah anyway yeah what what i like about it is uh I, i like like the falcon sort of hiding and then like getting shot out with the garbage two things i really like that Han Solo knows this. Um, so it shows that he's like, he's smart. He knows what their mm. procedures are. And in Solo, he fights for the Empire, right? So he knows, he knows the procedures. Mm. So he remembers the procedures. Right. That now, before they go to hyper hyperspace, they got to <laughs> dump the garbage. Good point, yeah. And I like that Leia says, uh, so we can just float off with the other garbage. The uh, other garbage, uh, indicating that yeah, the, the Falcon, Falcon is, is garbage. Love it. Which it is. I gotta tell you guys, like, I you could call it whatever you want. I love the dynamic between Leia and Han. Oh, the oh, best. Like, it's just, the best. it's yeah. you know, it's got that kind of antagonistic, but on yep. the surface, you know, there's like a deep attraction there. That, yeah, and then slowly it thaws. Yeah. Right. And it's just, it, it seems so natural and it seems so believable that it's like, yeah. And especially when you're a kid. Yeah. It, it's an impressionistic thing, right? For sure. Like, it's yeah, not all absolutely. like fairy tale kind of stuff. It's yeah. like, no, these people are, are pretty caustic towards each other, yeah. but in, in a, 
endearing way. It works so well because you know they're both so into each other. Yeah. You know, that's why yeah. it works so yeah. well. They just can't. They they're can't do it. They're yeah, both yeah. blustering. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to blink first? Exactly. Right? Who's going to blink first? So back on Dagobah, we see Yoda training Luke in parkour. <laughs> parkour. Before parkour. Before it was cool, my dude. Before it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah before it was cool. Uh, he's also teaching him the differences of the light and the dark side, which mm. is cool. Yeah. Um, Dean, what did you think about uh, Luke training with Yoda? Um, okay, so. Did that do anything for you? A lot. Um, I almost bought a Yoda backpack. Uh, because I love this part where Yoda is his backpack. He's just nice. sitting on his back while he does this. Um, I actually, I took a picture of it and didn't buy it. Like, I just have a picture of me wearing the backpack, but I never bought it. I should have. Uh, but yeah, I, I like it. I, I like the training. I think it is, uh, it's all about focus, right? That's what he's really trying to trying to get him to do here. It was like the early test was about patience. This test is about focus. Can you Can you move the rocks? While this other shit is going on, like, can mm, you stay focused right, right. while your surroundings are doing everything else? Um, I, yeah, it works for me. He fails often. Like the amount of mm. times that Yoda says you've failed. And I think that's it. He's failed. But then they're back at it the next day. I like it. I like the perseverance of it. Um, the one thing I don't like about it is like the Yoda. <laughs> it's the Yoda quote that everybody loves. And it's uh, do or do not. There is no try. I kind of think it's bullshit. <laughs> you can try. You can try it shit and fail. That's still trying. Uh, I like the line that comes after that, which is, um, uh, you think size matters, look at me. I like mm. that. That should mm. be on every mug. You think mm. size matters, look at me. <laughs> not yeah. do or do not, there is no try. I don't know. Mm. I, I just don't really like that line too much. But I like the train. I like the whole training montage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what did you think about Luke's vision with with Vader here too? Because I, like during yeah. this training sequence, they also have that vision, which is really interesting. Again, you know, sorry everybody, I like supplemental supplementary material. I'm going to talk about other shit in the Star Wars Tim, universe. How could you? Like, Tim, it's okay. It's okay. Fuck off if you're not into it. <laughs> Tim, but no one said that. Okay, you're okay. I'm, you're okay. I'm, I'm just self judging. <laughs> I'm self judging. Uh, no, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about all the people at home oh, who are like, okay. oh, this fucking guy is talking about supplementary material again. We just came here for the movies. No. Right. Um, they like expand on this concept in other aspects of the universe and it's that this is like to to be a jedi to be on the light side you have to face the dark side you have to be tempted by the dark side and to do that you go on like this like whatever you want to call it this like soul searching journey or like this this psychedelic experience where you're tempted by the dark side. And that's what's happening here is Luke. Yeah. He's learned about the force from Yoda. Yoda has been teaching him the differences between light and dark. And now Luke has to go into this cave and face the dark side for himself. Yeah. He has to come face to face with it mm -hmm. and make a decision about if that's what he wants. Yeah. Like you can't just be on the light side by choosing to be on the light side. You mm. have to meet both and make um, make a choice mm. that you want to be good. Uh, and the dark side's very yeah. like alluring, right? So yeah. this vision, you know, that's what's happening here. Yeah. And I, I like it a lot um, because my take is that he, he fails. Um, he goes in there. Yoda says, you will not need weapons. He takes his weapons. 
he sees Darth Vader, he ignites his lightsaber and cuts off his head. And his face is then under Darth right. Vader's it's... mask. He he failed. He attacked. Yoda told him that that the force, the light side of the force is not for attack. It's for learning and it's for defense. And he ignited and he struck first. Yeah. He cut off his head. So I think that's why his face was in that mask because he just failed. He was he took the dark side or at least it was well, he was, becomes Vader. Right? He becomes Vader. He right. was yeah. he was seduced by the dark side to make the kill the final blow. Right. So I kind of took it as like he his face is in the mask of Vader. Um, I kind of took it like if you continue down this path yeah. of not listening, yeah, of killing, that'll be like it. striking yeah. him down. Yeah. But but like in a good way, like he could be as powerful as Vader. He could be Vader. He's on the path to being Vader. Yeah. That's how I took like his face in the mask yeah. is yeah. that he will become Vader if he wants to. Yeah. He can become that powerful. And that's what I think is alluring about this whole scene for him. For sure, yeah. Is that you can become the most powerful person on the dark side if you want to. Yeah. Um, and that's the temptation. That's the temptation. Yeah. It's like he sees himself as Vader. Yeah. There are so many amazing things about this whole sequence. Number one, I don't know the effects they used or whatever, but it's like a dream. It feels like a dream. Yeah. Everything's kind of in a bit of in slow motion, not like overly so, just subtly. And it gives it that weird it's kind slow of- slow motion. It, there's a bit of slow motion, but it's not like, you know, pronounced. Yeah. Um, and that that kind of lends credence, credence to the kind of surrealness of, of the scene. And that's what makes it make sense when you see Luke's face. It's like, oh, yeah, it's not actually Luke. Yeah. This is all like metaphorical. Yeah. This is all kind of like. Um, but, you know, it, there's another powerful scene when when Yoda pulls the X-Wing out of the swamp. Mm -hmm. Before you go there, I, I want to go. Oh, a little bit, that... I want to go a little bit further with the scene. Yeah, yeah. We're close. But um, they did. They changed Vader's breathing. In that scene, oh, subtly yeah. to make yeah. it to make yeah. like they wanted you to know it was not real, hmm. yeah. Because we don't like at that time we don't know about dream sequences all that much. So right. they they subtly changed his breathing, and I also read that they subtly changed the tone of Darth Vader's lightsaber to kind of allow you to know that something yeah. different was happening. Huh. Here. Yeah, so it was a bit they, of miss. Cool. They something wanted you to tune miss. in that this was not normal. Yeah, which we all did, um, but still, like this was too scary for me. As a this kid. scared me. I, Very I, scared I, scared me. I had yeah. I couldn't watch the scene. I had yeah. to turn yeah. away. I remember one. like, yeah. okay, is is the Vader cave scene coming? And I looked away. Same. Like it was yeah. so scary for me. But again, there was such a something about his character that I love so much. Yeah. I yeah. just you know But you know what though? Even though we were kids and it was that scary, I think it was good in a way to it's, be it's exposed to it because super good. Yeah. I don't want to get into the whole like <laughs> parenting thing far from from me to be the one to say anything but like i don't think it scarred us i don't think it no you know like did anything no psychologically way. dark to us yeah. it actually exposed us at an early age to like some really stuff that we could handle but it was right at the edge yeah you're supposed to feel something in that moment you, you exactly know? so that's why you do exactly. as a kid that's why you're scared of it there's nothing visually that should be too scary but you're scared of it because you should feel something in intense, that moment. Well, Luke was scared. Scene. Luke was exactly, scared. Exactly, yeah. In that moment. So Luke you should be too. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so do we. And I know that's one of the main complaints about the sequels is that 
you know, Ray gets called, uh, what is it, a poly Sue or something like that? I don't remember the term, but like everything just comes easy to her. Right. And okay, her training yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And there's no struggle. And there's no struggle. Yeah. I mean, there is in other ways, but like, you know, Luke really, and like you made the point earlier, Dean, he's, you, that you clearly get the sense this is something he's gaining slowly. Yeah. At yeah. like day after day, he's get he's pushing a little bit, and that's what makes sense. Totally, yeah. It's not just like he suddenly becomes a Jedi Master. Yeah, works at it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Mark, as you mentioned, you know Yoda gives us the biggest display of power we've seen mm. in the movies yet. Mm-hmm. Well, in Episode yeah. you know four and five yet, as he lifts the X wing out of the swamp. So very cool. We've seen Luke do some stuff. We've seen Obi Wan do some cooler stuff. But Master Yoda does the best thing we've ever seen. Right. With yeah. lift, lifting this up. So very cool. By the way, the soundtrack in that scene. Oh, rules. Yeah, powerful. I mean, it's so yeah. just moving. Yeah. I'd like to point out here, my boy uh, Darth Vader is killing top commanders uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the drop of a hat. He yes. says, if you do anything wrong as a top commander, you're dead. I just want to say he's a very motivational leader. Yes. Uh, yes. I would, like, I would like to say at this moment, too. Um, so this is a movie. That is like, we've talked about it being dark. We talked about the heroes taking loss after loss. This movie is, it also like uh, all the characters that we knew from the first, they grow emotionally, you know, after taking these losses, they need to learn how to get back up and keep going. But the movie is full of bits. The movie is full of hilarious bits. One of them being that Vader just keeps killing admirals that fail him. Yeah. The Falcon can't get into hyperdrive. Right. It can't. It can't, right. it can't go into light speed. It's just the whole movie. They can't do it. They can't yeah. figure it out. That's that whole arc. Um, Luke, like having to trying to find Yoda from this like little green frog that's got a couple screws loose. Like yeah. there's just so many bits going on. Wow, there's this deep storytelling. Yeah. That's why it's so perfect. That's yeah. why the movie is yeah. just such a perfect balance. Right. It's amazing. It's yeah. fucking right. magical. Those moments of levity. Yeah. Are important. Very important because because we're going to be taking loss after loss. So yeah. we need these yeah. fun, yeah. uplifting moments. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. So Luke decides to leave his training with Yoda because he has a vision of a city in the clouds and his friends in pain. Yeah. Mm. Now, this is the same emotional reaction that led Anakin to the dark side. So watching this chronologically, mm. this is a great moment because totally. Luke is trending on the exact same path as Anakin was. And Obi-Wan and Yoda are pleading for him to stay here. This yeah. is, don't You have to stay. You can't go. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have watched the series chronologically right. and they, yeah, they, have, they know they what's have. happened. So this is just has to be like a really frustrating moment for them yeah. right? to see like mm. they failed Anakin and now Luke is on that same path. Like yeah. it must be really tough. That works so well chronologically. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it, it almost doesn't work. Otherwise it doesn't work like now. But, why would but, they, or sorry, it doesn't work just watching four and yeah, five. Why would they stop him from going to save his friends? But you're right. When you watch all of them, this was the turning mm-hmm. point. Like this is what this is where Anakin decided. You know, boom! I'm gonna go to the dark side. Yeah. Do you know it's interesting though? Not having seen the prequels, of course, when the original trilogy came out, and watching this movie, it didn't seem like incongruous, or it didn't seem like out of nowhere. It just like maybe you don't understand the whole picture. Yeah. But it's like okay, that's interesting though. You know, I, interesting I like that they that. would want to stop him. 
Yeah, yeah. And there's something that we don't really know as the audience, but yeah. that actually, I like that. And yeah. I find that a lot of the times movies nowadays will over explain things. Yeah. Like there's ways, if you know as a creator the story, you can throw things in there that don't make sense. But if you know what makes sense in your head, yeah, then sort of indirectly the audience won't have any issue with it. Yeah. Because if somebody thought this through and it makes sense. Yeah. But you just don't see the whole picture. It, it adds an element of kind of mystery. Totally. That's, yeah, because, yeah. and Lucas did know, he knew that stuff. Right? Like right. He, he knew the main yeah. beats and then he would know where to throw something in that he could kind of subtly hide, that mm-hmm. he could pick up at a mm-hmm. later time. Right. But that might not be all that confusing right now. Yeah. Like he, he would know that. So, yeah, yeah that's that's, uh, that's like a, just a high five to, to Lucas and his like overall arching story yeah. and what he decided to leave out of these movies and then bring back in the prequel trilogy just to kind of like fill in holes. Mm. I wish, I wish they had Lucas for the sequel trilogy. I, I really wish he was the one in charge of things. I would have liked to have seen his sequel trilogy. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're right. Uh, he had a, he had a vision. Yeah. He, he definitely had a he, vision. Yeah. He benefited from, I think if you really look into it, like an incredibly talented team. For the original trilogy, yeah, people, uh, yeah, from I, the, like you know, yeah, I uh, feel like I would have been fine with him writing them, and maybe wanted someone else to direct them, um, and write the uh, screenplay, yeah, because I think Lucas struggled with dialogue a little bit, yeah, and and the early ones, the sorry, the original trilogy benefited from other people rewriting some of those things, but I think you're absolutely spot on. It was his vision, yeah, and like say what you want about the prequels. The vision was consistent. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Maybe the execution obviously yeah. was where things needed some work, but yeah, the vision was sound. So Han takes the Falcon to Cloud City because he thinks Lando Calrissian might be able to help, but instead Lando turns them over to Darth Vader. It's a bad move by Lando, but he How gets cool. Is that he though? gets a chance to redeem to redeem himself later? And it's a surprise when it happens. Totally. Yeah. It's a surprise when it happens, and we see Vader block blaster fire with his hand i mean like that's that, huge that scene and then oh man he just stops it with his hand he gets a blaster at him and he just stops it with his hand i've never seen anything like that uh, like up to this point you haven't seen he, vader display this type of power he blocks the blast and yeah. then sucks in the blaster yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's cool damn. yeah great and this yeah. is this is something that uh i guess it happens right after this uh that i this is the first time i've picked it up i was like why the hell do they torture han solo like they don't ask mm. him. He says they didn't ask me any questions. Yeah. I've never understood it <laughs> until this time I watch it. That's what gets Luke there. That's the vision he's seeing. He's seeing his friends oh. being tortured. Yeah. He's seeing his friends in pain. Oh, Lay gets tortured as well. Yeah. Vader knows. Vader knows that if he does this, because he knows Luke is strong in the force. If he does this, maybe oh, tortures his friends. I never he clued will in have on a that. Vision, vision of it and come there. That's, that's yes. how they're trapping him. Yeah. That's oh, Vader's whole plan is yeah. to use Han and Leia yeah. to get Luke there. And he knows what's, them pain. He knows what's going to yeah. work. He went through it. He went through it himself. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. I never made the connection. Yeah, this is the first time I figured that that's, out. Just watching uh, it this that's, time. Yeah, yeah. Like I and I, I can't think of another reason. I thought it was like they were testing the limits of his right. health yeah. or something. Yeah. So for the freezing. Yeah, yeah. But I that makes more sense. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So Vader wants to freeze Luke and Carbonite. Yeah. To take him to the Emperor, uh, but he wants to make sure it's working first. So they test it on Han. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get the classic, I love you, I know line. Which was improvised. 
which was not improvised. Not improvised? No, falsely really understood as improvised, but no, yeah, yeah. Um, that was scripted. Um, it wasn't in the original script, which is why there might be some confusion, but uh, Harrison Ford and Kirshner got together. Uh, Harrison was concerned about that line, didn't think it worked, and they talked about it ahead of time. And figured out a new line for it. Oh, okay. So it wasn't on the spot. It wasn't on the spot. But Harrison did contribute to coming up they, with that Yeah, line. they worked together to come gotcha. up with a new line. Um, apparently, Carrie Fisher was very upset because they didn't include her in the, the oh. talking about the changing of the line. Oh. Um, so her and uh, Kirshner kind of like had it out a little really? bit. She was very upset that they didn't. She's like, I'm part of the scene, so you should include me in these talks. But yeah. Anyway, whatever. The line works so perfectly in this movie uh, because of everything that's gone on between the two of them. You know? Like, oh, yeah. Han Solo's just 100%. been like, you love me, you love it. Like the whole movie. He's yeah. been like, yeah. you're into me, you're into me. And she's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then she's like, I love you. So it's perfect that he's like, it, it's, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's Absolutely. a perfect line. I know. Yeah, I've been great. telling you the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Han gets frozen in carbonite. And this only happened because they didn't know if Harrison Ford was going to come back for the next movie. Right. Interesting. So they left it open. Yeah. They cool. left it as like, we can do, we can go either way here. So I think that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, and I also wanted to point out that Mark was, uh, you were drinking some scotch and you had a couple of Han Solo frozen and carbonite ice cubes. I did. Scotch Hell fantastic. yeah. Yeah. I've got a little really Han Solo and carbonite ice cube I can't believe I, nobody had thought of that before. Well, somebody thought about it before. I know. I, I admire them. That is an excellent <laughs> idea. I, I can't help but think that on some level, the fact that Harrison Ford was almost fleeing the character the way Han Solo was almost fleeing oh, the group exactly. is nice, like nice. contributes to the His impact of the, the performance. That's yeah. why it works so well because yeah. Han Solo is actually like, what am I doing in this Star Wars movie? Like uh, Harrison Ford is yeah. actually like, yeah. what yeah. am I doing in this Star Wars movie? Yeah. And that's what Han Solo is doing. He's like, yeah. I'm no hero. What am I doing here? Yeah, that's cool. I like that. So Luke shows up at Cloud City. Vader wants to turn Luke to the dark side and we get the fucking showdown, guys. We get the showdown. Mark, what did you think of seeing Luke and Vader finally fighting? Oh, I mean, the visuals in that scene, everything leading up to it. And then there's this like iconic moment, you know, when Vader's standing and you just see his silhouette and then the lightsaber and then Luke approaches, faces off and then the different color lights. The colors, again, it's the dreamlike, that whole thing on cloud city, wherever they are, like some weird abandoned cargo sector. Yeah. Yeah. Like where the fuck are they? Like don't what, what? And I, and you don't care because yeah. it's cool. Yeah. And it evokes this whole mood. It's uh, so dark. It's so, yeah, it's dark and it's interesting. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the fight is like, who needs all the fancy action and stuff? Like, yeah, they, they don't look particularly skilled as actors when they're, like, fighting, but it doesn't matter. That's nothing to do with it. It's nothing to do with their actual sword fighting skill. It's the scene itself and everything encompassing it that has impact and weight, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the scene has improved, like, a thousand percent on the last lightsaber scene we saw in A New Hope. Yeah. Which... I liked because of everything that was surrounding it. You know, Obi-Wan coming face to face with Darth Vader. That was cool. I liked everything that was around it. The fight, you know, kind of boring and mm -hmm. over quickly. Mm -hmm. This is just like so much better than that. Just by making it dark, doing the silhouettes, do, like mm -hmm. letting the color do the work. You know, there's yeah. 
blue and orange complementary yeah. colors tim yeah. in this scene it looks so good black blue orange and then they ignite their lightsabers it's a great fight it is top five lightsaber fight for sure mm. maybe higher um it, it's just everything that they've done to surround around this fight it just makes it perfect yeah yeah i think it's great um i think vader's playing with him for sure vader uh, is fighting with one just one hand yeah, like this he's right. i said that while i went on to watch it i said vader's not even trying he's not he's even just trying playing with him i mean yeah. in the context of us watching a new hope and empire yeah this might look like an even battle yeah but us seeing the prequels knowing how powerful anakin slash darth vader is just playing fighting luke yeah. who's barely trained yeah uh, Darth, Darth Vader could end this at any second. That's yeah. not what he wants to do. He wants to he wants to turn Luke. For sure. So he's doing just everything he can. Make him angry. Properly. Right. He's doing it accordingly. He knows how he got turned. He wants to do the same to mm -hmm. Luke. He's not trying to kill him. He could in a second. Totally. Um, I mean, his force abilities. Luke doesn't have force abilities. Right, Vader's just tossing things at him, well, smacking uh, them all over. But well, Luke, he does Luke shows subtly, 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 when he, when he jumps bit, out of the uh, carbonite yeah. pit. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. So that's a neat little sure. thing. It's like, yeah. whoa, where yeah. did that, that come from? That's He's true. Showing yeah. signs the first of it, right? force jump. Even, he did think, actually yeah. surprise Vader with that too, because Vader yeah. thought he caught him in there. Yeah. But yeah, um, I guess like Luke doesn't have the ability, and I guess this isn't really, I guess, a Jedi trick where they pull things off of the walls and throw it at people. That seems to be more of a Sith thing that they do in movies. Jedi's don't really do that, but Vader's pulling things down. And smashing yeah. him in the head with yeah. it and um i'm very anxious here for luke while for i'm sure. watching yeah. it as for a sure. kid i'm yeah. just yeah. very i'm scared again this is very yeah. very scary uh vader beats him down cuts off his hand limb counter activation plus one <laughs> we're yep. at 12 at 12 yeah yep and now the big moment the big reveal vader tells luke that he is luke's father huge what the fuck moment yeah the first time you see this uh i really like this luke lets out the same no scream that vader did when padme died so i know there's a lot of hate for that vader scream i think it's because this scream happened first i yeah. think they're pa they're paying that back for sure yeah so um I, I liked both of those screams i like that they tied those two moments together when i f when i saw this scene for the first time i didn't believe it I saw Darth Vader as being deceitful. Oh, yeah. I thought he was lying. Ah, right? interesting. Um, yeah, totally. I didn't believe it. Because he says it so straight, too. Like, it's like, no, that can't be true. There, there's nothing yeah. really to let us know no. that this is going to be Why a thing. would that be true? Yeah. And, of course, Darth Vader would lie about something like yeah. that. So I was certain he was lying about it. I, I love this, too. So, so Luke, he's just hanging on this, like, the edge of Cloud City, almost. Like, mm -hmm. he's like, Vader has pushed him to the very brink. Um physically and emotionally mm -hmm. he's got him defeated in both ways here pushed to the edge there's nowhere left for luke to go so he just drops yeah. off this equipment that he's on yeah like he's let's go it's powerful yeah it's so powerful it's like you know not to get like maybe too much of a stretch with it but you know in, in say like buddhism the concept of letting go is really mm. what is underpinning mm -hmm. um maybe i'm being a little too crude in this but uh enlightenment is that letting go is that surrendering yeah. to fate and really what are his alternatives in that moment just joining the dark side joining the yeah, dark side want, or yeah. getting killed dying or just letting go and yeah. falling and letting yeah. fate kind of guide accepting it right accepting it and i think he does accept it in that moment because he's he never 
like thinks it's deceitful after this. Like he, he right. believes, he believes, yeah. he believes that this believes is it. true. Yeah. He knows it to be true, right? Yeah. He knows yeah. uh, there's some connection there between the two yeah. and he doesn't doubt it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, I've always thought of this as a loss of Luke losing here, but I've never really thought of the whole movie as like Yoda telling him not to be, um, you know, turned by the dark side. Don't be, mm-hmm. don't, don't think like, mm-hmm. yeah, don't go over the dark side. This is his moment when he can go he, over to the dark side and he lets go. He lets go. He, that's a win. Just, a win. Yeah, that was a win right there in that 100%. moment. I've never yeah. thought of it like that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, he falls out of the bottom of Cloud City. He, he lands on some sort of antenna he's holding on to. He's having trouble holding on. He calls for Ben twice. Mm. And then calls for Leia, and cool. Leia hears him like that. I uh, mean, that's like what a great way to kind of just introduce powerful plot points, but yep. not like in your not face. D- yeah, it's like whoa. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's just it's, and not tell you anything about them. No, you know, just know. leave it there for you, where it's like, oh, that was cool. Yeah, what happened there? You're yeah. you're all in at that point. Yeah, yep. Uh, she turns around in the Falcon, goes back and picks him up. So we get this final moment where Vader sees the Falcon flying past before going to hyperspeed. He says Luke, and we see Luke say father at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah. they, they, he's on board. They're talking. Knows, they know. Yeah. Um, everything has gone wrong, this entire movie for our friends, but they do get away to hyperspace here, giving us a small glimmer of hope. And Lando and Chewie take the Falcon to go find Han, who was taken by Boba Fett. And we see Luke, Leia, 3PO, and R2 looking out of a window at the Rebel fleet and the end. And there's a beautiful shot of like a galaxy. Yeah. And like, I I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it like seems like it. It gives you that. It's that, hopeful. It, yeah. And it's yeah. just, it's such a beautiful visual and the music and everything kicking in. Like, it's just gorgeous. It is really, truly, artistically beautiful. Yeah, it's moment. so great. We took so many fucking losses in this movie, and yep. yet this one image yep. with the, yep. the image and the music, yep. we feel hopeful. We feel Absolutely. like, let's get to that next movie. We're going to yep. do it. We're yep. still going to win. I love it. It's so perfect. They somehow get you back in that last moment yeah. with almost nothing. With it's nothing. Like, yeah. You only yeah. lost. Han's gone. <laughs> yeah. Like, people have you know gone off to try to save him. Yeah. Um, all that's happened here is Luke and Leia have been reunited. Yeah. But, but it's you know, such like a magical moment. Like she she saved his life, yeah. right? You get that and small win. You get the it's a small, small win. He's got his hand yeah. back and like yeah. in, a, in a way that hand is almost like symbolic of, yeah. you know, like they've been through it, but they're they're back. They're yeah. together. They're still they're kicking. They're still okay. Still and they're okay. going to keep going. They're going to yeah. keep, keep going. going. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Great fucking movie. Great movie. All right. So we're at that point in our show where we like to rank these movies. Mark, as special guest, I would like to give you the opportunity to rank the movies first. We are going up to Empire, including Solo and Rogue One. Hmm. Okay, so I haven't seen Solo. I haven't heard great things about it, but um, so I have to leave that one out. You could leave it at the bottom. Okay, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Dean agrees with me. Uh, next, uh, like next worst, I guess you would say, probably Phantom Menace, followed by Attack of the Clones, followed by Revenge of the Sith, followed by Rogue One, followed by, you know, I've 
Empire is my favorite movie. A New Hope was the first. That carries a lot of weight, so I almost put them as like 1A and 1B. Um, Which is not allowed. So okay, so, so a then A New Hope and then An Empire, but it's like <laughs> super tight between those two. Cool. I like that ranking. That, I, I like love that. it. That's really tight. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very very much in order. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I think it is exactly in order. It's in order, yeah. <laughs> All right, Dean, go. Okay. Um, do you, you want me to go bottom to top? Because I, I usually go top to bottom. Let's do bottom to top now. Okay. Bottom to top now. Um, so bottom is uh, Attack of the Clones, The Phantom Menace, Revenge of the Sith, Solo, A Star Wars Story, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Star Wars, and then The Empire Strikes Back. This one is at the top for me, The Empire Strikes Back. I thought going into this, I liked Star Wars A New Hope so much last time that we watched it and did that episode. I was like, ooh, maybe my new favorite. I love this thing. Mm -hmm. Can Empire? I mean, I've had Empire as my favorite for so long. Could it live up to it? It is like miles ahead of it like i put this on and this is like oh yeah this is one of my favorite movies of all time it just works it is the perfect star wars movie for me i love it so much i do love also science and this movie and math math too this is all about science though oh sorry um this movie i mean i don't really think it's a three-act structure maybe it's a four five let's say it's a three-act structure let's say the three-act structure is the planet hoth the planet dagobah and the planet Bespin, which is the cloud city, that takes you through the state of matter change of water. Ice, oh, Dagobah, swamp, no water. Way. I never and then Bespin that. is uh, gas. It's like uh, clouds, whatever. Nice. Brilliant observation. Science. I love it. That's why it's the best Star Wars movie. Science. <laughs> Science. <laughs> Very unusual way, of, but that makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. Um, that's not why it's the best movie, Dean, uh, because if I made a movie with ice, water and air, it could suck and that wouldn't just make it the best. Or it could be the best movie. I promise you. Secret science. It's secret. They don't tell anybody. That's a great observation though, Dean. Very cool. Um, my rankings are so low. It is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) The Phantom Menace which I like attack of the clones, which I like. Then I'm going a new hope. Mm-hmm. What? And then this was my big problem is I didn't know where the next three were going to land. I knew they were always my favorite and it was going to be a struggle, but I've got next up revenge of the Sith. Then I wondered if empire could get knocked off and Dean, I'm with you. It is so far ahead. It wasn't even yeah. close. Yeah. <laughs> it is then Rogue One and then Empire. Um, I have like a small beef with Rogue One. I have a small beef with Revenge of the Sith. I have no beef with Empire. There's yeah. nothing in this movie that bothers me at all. It's perfect. So for that reason, it is perfect. It has to be at my number one. I actually thought it was going to get bumped out for for one of the other ones, but no, That that's my ranking. Uh, Empire, we all agree... The greatest movie of this franchise. For sure. One of the greatest movies of all time. Agreed. Uh, everybody listening, if you'd like to get some more content from us, you can check us out on patreon.com slash talkingbackpodcast. And 
we would recommend you also check out all the other podcasts on the Blast From Our Past Network at bfopnetwork.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining, my friend. Thank you. It was awesome. Dean. Super fun. Dean, thanks for joining. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. We wanted to let you know if you'd like to show your support for Talking Back, then please check out our Patreon page where you can join one of our membership tiers and unlock bonus episodes and more each and every month. Or you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com slash talkingback where you can make a one-time donation of any amount or feel free to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. All three options are great ways to show your support for the show. That's it. We're done.